This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, we look back to some of the strangest things that have happened on Friday the 13th for Flashback Friday. And why is Friday the 13th considered to be unlucky? Phil Stevens, Emeritus Professor of Anthropology at the University of Buffalo, tells us why Friday the 13th originated, where it came from, and gives us a deep dive into other superstitions as well, including the word superstition. And are you okay with mummies? And what about archaeology? All of this and more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. On Flashback Friday, though, we don't have one Friday the 13th. What Ryan did was he went and found crazy stories in the hist- recent history that happened on Friday the 13th. So we have a few different years. Actually, the songs at the end of the hour have been from the years of this, just so you know. Some incredibly crazy stories have happened, some tragic stories too, and very weird things on Friday the 13th. Friday, January 13th, 2012. The cruise ship Costa Concordia partially sank off the Italian coast after running aground, killing 32. Calgary's Andrea and Lawrence Davis had just ordered a bottle of wine when their dream European cruise turned instantly into a nightmare. Within seconds, the glasses were flying across the table. People started screaming and people started scrambling and nobody knew what had happened. The 4,200-passenger Costa Concordia had hit a reef, tearing a 70-meter gash along the side. Passengers waited nearly an hour for the evacuation order before jumping into the frigid ocean to begin the nearly half-hour swim to shore. When we were about halfway to the shore, the fourth deck where we had been standing was underwater already. So if we had stayed on that deck, we wouldn't have been sitting there talking to you tonight. Today, a mass was held to remember the 32 passengers and crew that didn't make it to shore. And foghorns blasted along the Tuscan coast as a piece of the rock that sunk the ship was lowered back into the sea before a crowd of mourning family members. Today, um, you know, I couldn't sleep quite well so because I've been constantly thinking it's going to be again the same agony even tonight. Uh, that was a crazy story, man. I remember that and then the conversations about why they didn't tell everybody to get off and so much. Uh, wow. Um, the, the route it took that it wasn't supposed to take. The evacuation of Costa Concordia took over six hours. And of the 3,229 passengers and 1,023 crew known to have been aboard, 32 died. Francesco Chitino, uh, the ship's captain at the time, was tried and found guilty of manslaughter, causing a maritime accident and abandoning his ship. He left. He was sentenced to 16 years in prison in 2015. The wreck was salvaged three years after the incident and then towed to the port of uh, Genoa, where she was scrapped. Amazing. Um, September 13th, excuse me, Friday the 13th, in history here on the shift. September the 13th, Friday, 1996, in Vegas, Tupac Shakur was murdered. Tupac Shakur, a leading proponent of West Coast-style gangster rap, had an explosive impact in recording studios, on movie sets, and on the streets. I ain't wanted to happen, personally. I ain't wanted to go down like that. I ain't wanted to die. I think it was just a simple situation to just... He got into it with some street, some somebody off the street, and they just, you know what I'm saying, they let him know that they weren't going to be, they weren't backing down in that situation. It's sad for the industry, but to a lot of the people that's in the industry, they're going to look at him now like, you know, oh, oh, he had beef with this person or that one. The whole world is probably thinking Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy, Bad Boys, had something to do with it, but I don't think they had nothing to do with it. Well, if you watch the documentaries... <laughs> They still don't tell you who did it. That's the thing. Um, there's some a lot of uh, allegations on there. I remember, now if you're in Alberta, you might remember this, Mort's Mortimer's in Red Deer. I was DJing at that bar that night. And oh, because whoa. there was a regular customer who had uh, come running up and was like, two packs dead, two packs dead. And so that was, um, that was, that was, that was it. It's like it is one of the most unsolved mysteries, I think, 
of all time. Same until, thing with Notorious B.I.G. Until recently. Well, recently, sort of. The, the cool part about the documentaries is that depending on who you ask and where you go, the stories are all a little different. And the, and the people in those stories, they're just like, oh, yeah, it was Bob. <laughs> they just, that's it. So uh, crazy. Friday the 13th, that was the day. Friday, September 29th, 2023, the AP reported that Las Vegas police had arrested a suspect, Dwayne uh, Kiffy D., Davis in Shakur's murder police had two months previously served a search warrant at his wife's home in Las Vegas, suburb of Henderson. Uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, okay, for everyone who doesn't know Tupac, they got to get the right version of this. Most people, um, there we go. Uh, clean version. Is this going to be the good one? Yipper. Uh, that's that guy, if you don't know. Now, uh, that also was a kickoff to Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. All of that happened at that era. The music that influences our music today and literally changed everything, music and hip-hop, happened there at that time with that. Pretty cool stuff. Flashback Friday here on The Shift. Friday the 13th, 2023 is where we are. We're going back to Friday, October 13th. 2006, nearly half a million people lost power when Buffalo, New York, and the surrounding suburbs were buried under 60 centimeters of snow. Cars buried, roads and walkways barely passable. Record snow totals bringing Connecticut towns to a standstill. Those trying to get around certainly not having an easy time at it. Even plow trucks got stuck and accidents could be seen scattered around the state. Treacherous, the roads are terrible dangerous out there. People shouldn't even be walking out there. You know, that's a hazard. Plow could hit them. Police say that's exactly what happened here in Avon. A plow truck driver accidentally backed over a shoveler. That meant a trip to the hospital, the extent of the injuries unknown. And it was another trip to the hospital for someone after this plow truck got into an accident on an 84 off-ramp. The key to staying safe today seemed to be taking it easy, perhaps doing a little bit of cleanup and enjoying these, say, 18 inches? You come up this morning, it was crazy. But it's great because it's a great time to see your neighbors, you know, during the winter when hibernates. And then we all come out, we just we just kind of help each other. It's a pretty good community. I love Buffalo. I love it. When I lived in St. Catharines, man, that was the coolest. I love going to Buffalo. In fact, our, uh, just to be clear that our guest, uh, Phil, uh, the uh, Friday the 13th guy, is from Amherst, which is suburb of Buffalo. So there you go. Tying it all together. Uh, Friday the 13th is our flashback Friday. How about August? Friday 13th, August 13th. Fr- <laughs> Come on, brain. Friday, August 13th, 2010. There it is. Got a 13 year old boy it. in Suffolk, England, was hit by lightning on this unlucky day. The lightning reportedly hit at 113 or 1313. <gasps> In military time, we don't put any meaning behind anything, do we? Uh, the boy survived unharmed uh, with new hairdo. So there you go. Um, yeah, Friday the 13th. I think the simple fact that we call it Friday the 13th and we just acknowledge it, like even though we don't believe in it, we still kind of acknowledge it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's Friday the 13th today. But we still acknowledge yeah. that, right? We still, like my dad is flying today and... Ooh. Normally, I'm like, okay, great. My dad's been on a million flights, but right. there's that tiny little part of my brain that's like, oh, he's flying on Friday the 13th. Why would you do that? And then I go, oh, because it's a normal day. Relax. It's a normal day. This is the Shift Podcast. Friday the 13th. That's the, uh, that's the magic day. We were chatting about that here. Of course, this is one of the special Friday the 13th because it leads up to Halloween and we've got all these storylines about 13 being bad, bad luck, all of the bits and pieces. And um, and Ryan introduces us to Phil. Now, this is where we're going. We're going to Amherst, New York, not very far away from Toronto, in fact. Love Amherst. It was one of the places that I used to really love to go when I lived in the Niagara Peninsula. A really place, uh, great place to hang out. And... Um, just out on the outskirts of Buffalo, Phil Stevens is here. He's emeritus professor of anthropology and studying people and societies your whole life, I suppose, is probably the the Coles notes of what you've been up to. 
Sure, that's that's about it. I'm a cultural anthropologist. So what does that mean? Does that uh, you, uh, a larger scope on people in general uh, or specific, the opposite, specific into individual cultures of, of people, what they get up to? Right. Um, American and, and Canadian uh, anthropology uh, has four subfields to it. Um, archaeology and physical or biological uh, anthropology looks at uh, the processes of evolution and uh, um, the the development of the physical uh, organism. Um, primatology is a branch that looks at our uh, monkey and ape relatives. Uh, linguistic anthropology looks at uh, language and culture and cultural anthropology really combines all of them. And indeed, uh, all do contribute uh, to each other. In um, in Britain and Europe, it's it's a bit different, but that's the picture of American anthropology. What, and my, uh, what brings you there, Phil? Like, well, um, I I was in the Peace Corps right after college, and uh, the Peace Corps experience persuaded me that that's what I wanted to do. Um, the Peace Corps experience is an other cultural experience. It is really an anthropological experience. You've got to understand something of the culture of the people you're working with to be uh, most successful. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a number of experiences when I was working in Nigeria in the early 1960s that persuaded me that this is what I want to do. That's amazing. What a cool, uh, what a cool path and, and look at history. Was it I, I, distinctly different? and uniquely the same, I suppose. Maybe that's too philosophical, Phil, but is it the people or the people coming together in community and society that really gets you? All of the above. Yeah, hey. And uh, as I got into the field, I, uh, I, I began to understand a bit more about how anthropology uh, compares with other social sciences and uh, our cross-cultural comparative approach called ethnology is really a powerful uh, uh, explanatory tool. We can compare peoples across culturals uh, across cultures, and um, we uh, we become equipped to make general statements about about people, about small groups, about regions, uh, about continents, and ultimately about the human species hmm. and that is a segue into our topic if you're ready for it yeah i am and i that um, makes total sense to me to to segue into how we carry on maybe this is too simplistic so your correction is obviously very welcome but how we carry um, on the storylines assumptions and almost bias stereotypes that we we take from cultures and history but the most striking thing in all my experience is is not uh, differences, is not the specific cultural traits, but rather the similarities among people. Um, and one of my areas of interest is religion and, and uh, uh, supernatural beliefs. And that is a good lens through which to, to look at the way people think. Uh, and the striking thing that we learn through ethnology is that people are far more similar than they are different. All over the world, people think in fundamentally the same ways. And we're going to discuss superstitions today. And superstitions are an example of uh, forms of magical thinking, which are absolutely universal, which mm. uh, ethnology reveals people everywhere believe in in two fundamental principles there are others but this is all we need for today um things or actions that resemble other things or actions and things or actions that have been in direct contact physical contact or some kind of close association with other things or actions are believed to have a a causal connection with those other things or, or actions and this is the fundamental um 
underlying premise for magical thinking and for most superstitions. Mm-hmm. Um, most superstitions involve what we call taboo, which can be defined as the avoidance of establishing a magical connection. So if things or actions resemble something unfortunate, you want to avoid it. You don't want to um, per- perform it um, uh, in uh, in fear that it, that it might make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is with the taboo against 13, especially the um, misfortune uh, widely associated with Friday the 13th. Hmm. Uh, there well, are a lot of let, let me uh let me ask a question there phil is that i i really hear what you're saying about you know that sort of causal situation about something bad happened say on friday the 13th or the 13th floor or whatever is related to the number 13 and people within a same community might have had a similar experience but not only that the cool part is in today's world when we look back at this stuff in history and in time there are communities that have no connection, at least reasonable connection of telephones and communicating that have such similar belief systems or um, superstitions. And yet they're all very, very similar. They might be named a little bit differently, but there's no real connection between these cultures or communities, at least back in time. And yet they still have the same co- similar causation and similar storylines. And that's where this really goes from what I'm hearing from you about that magical part into, whoa, there's something going on here. And then our hum- this humanity belief system thing starts to really kick in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the, one of the things that ethnology reveals to us. Um, people far away who've never had con- contact with with each other nevertheless think in similar ways they develop similar solutions to similar problems and so on and so on um and these fundamental principles of thinking uh, the principles of similarity and the principles of contact are absolutely universal with no exception uh, at all and they seem to have developed in our uh, evolutionary biology uh, they seem to have developed because they had some kind of a, uh, adaptive advantage, even if it's simply to provide a sense of control or a sense of satisfaction, uh, a sense of comfort in a confusing and unpredictable world. Uh, and that's a generally accepted um, function of magical thinking. It gives people a, a sense that they can control uh, or at least have a little bit of control in their little corner of the world. Um, we, we, um, we perform uh, similar routines. We, we carry uh, magic uh, um, uh, amulets uh, with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, <clears throat> we avoid, um, we, we don't step on cracks. We avoid, uh, we avoid breaking mirrors we we avoid uh, opening uh, umbrellas inside the house all of these have explanations and they all have parallels uh in uh, uh across the world uh, and um there are several explanations the umbrella uh is and and a hat you take off your hat before you enter the house or you at least we used to um the umbrella is designed to protect you from storm. Storm is potentially destructive. Uh, storm is outside. You leave the umbrella outside. You don't want to bring the storm into the into the house, which is uh, um, tranquil, domestic, uh, orderly, a uh, place where babies are conceived and uh, family uh, unity is is preserved and meals are cooked and shared and so on um um the same taboo uh, uh involved uh early warriors with their armor their helmets their and their weaponry you did not bring them into uh a house uh, americans in 
in Iraq and Afghanistan 20 years ago or, or so were uh, routinely violating these taboos when they stomped into uh, um, houses with their boots on and their weapons slung over their shoulders. Is that uh, intentional? You, like that? Is that if if the if the notion was keep the uh, I'll just say easy the darkness outside the the storm outside? Is this other cultures purposefully saying, well, we're going to show you we're bringing the storm inside and and purposefully breaking creating taboo as a fear tactic? Oh yes, yeah. oh yes, that, that's um, that d intentional defilement. Yeah, it's almost uh, terrorism in, in, in a way. In, Yes, yes, yes. You're 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 right. Um, you can take advantage of people's uh, beliefs and uh, uh, upset them by violating their their taboos. Wow. Uh, ab absolutely. And between uh, Westerners and Middle Easterners, between uh, Christians and Muslims, uh, um, there are uh, a lot of uh, uh, sanctified beliefs that. Um, one or the other could uh, easily violate. Um, some years ago, um, there was a great intifada uh, uh, armed uprising when uh, Ariel Sharon went into the Temple Mount with with armed troops. He brought instruments of death into into the mosque, uh, the 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 extremely sacred uh, uh, Al Aqsa Mosque. There are all kinds of and he did. He clearly did that intentionally. Mm -hmm. So there are all kinds of examples of of that. So the, we have some people uh, people imposing that on others, taking advantage of it, whatever. It, we can go through backwards through time, and and maybe let's lean into the number thirteen when we look at what we do today. Today, we almost just declare it Friday the thirteenth, just just in case, right? It's like almost like we're like, well. I might not really believe in it, but I'm also okay with declaring it as Friday the 13th just in case, and then I'll go about my day. That's more of a self-imposed scenario, and we create that all the time. Sure, and let, let's let's look at that. Um, I was um, There have been many explanations, speculations about the origin of of the taboo against 13 and the taboo, special taboo against Friday the 13th. But the best explanation is that it, it, it derives from the Christian story of the Last Supper of Jesus, which was on a Thursday night. Um, it was a Seder meal, apparently. There were 13 people at that table. One of them betrayed Jesus. He was arrested and flogged, and we know the story. And the next day, that terrible, terrible event of his crucifixion and the next the next day was a friday and those two um the 13 and friday the 13th uh uh come coming together produce a kind of a double whammy kind of thing and uh it has it spread from christian areas into non-christian areas uh and uh in not worldwide but throughout Europe anyway, and uh, much of the rest of the world. So as you know, um, the the number 13 became unlucky in the West, uh, and many buildings didn't have a 13th floor, mm -hmm. airplanes didn't have a 13th row, uh, and, and so on. And on Friday, a 13th, which is coming up next week, isn't it? Um, or is it this week? This week, yes, you got it. This, it's this week. Um, uh, people who still believe it, and uh, many do, will avoid making important decisions and uh, business deals and, and so on. There's a whole um, system of numerology, of magical associations with numbers, which is part of the explanation here. When... Uh, Ronald and Nancy Reagan left the American presidency and went to California. The The number of the house that had been purchased for them was 666, which is that terrible number from the book of Revelation and the end of the of the Bible. It uh, it was the so-called mark of the beast. But then you have other people who buy houses that are 888 because some cultures will pay more for that house. 
I was going to go there. Sorry, in fact, I got ahead of you. Sorry about that, Phil. Um, remember the Beijing Olympics in 2008 held in, in China? Um, they were scheduled to start. To the opening ceremonies were scheduled for um, uh, August 8th at 8 o'clock p.m. 8, 8, 8, 8, 8. 2008 because eight is a propitious number in in, uh, in china friday the 13th is our conversation phil stevens is our guest here on the shift he's an anthropologist he studies cultures and communities and we've just learned about the friday the 13th where it comes from and so much more i continue my conversation with phil about so much we were talking about the number eight and how eight is a magical number in some cultures and i have some friends who are real estate agents and they actively seek out houses that have the eight in the address if you were at 888 main street <laughs> you can sell that house for a premium you even. could be right yeah That's amazing. you could be right but there must be some evidence somewhere i mean 13 it's carried over so long if the instant if the implication is that you know we're going back to you know to Christ's final supper, I mean, that's a long time for things to carry forward. There must be some sort of evidence, or is it just, I always hesitate not believing so much in coincidences, but maybe that's part of the belief system of me falling into the same trap. I'm not sure what you're looking for, Shane. Um, what kind of evidence? Well, if people say it? that uh, you step on a crack, break your mother's back, walk under a ladder, black cats, all those things, to carry on for all of these thousands of years, they, are we actually finding evidence of these things coming true? Or are we just, you know, assuming that they're there or maybe okay. seek, seeking okay. it for ourselves? If you, uh, everybody experiences misfortune, right? Uh, we we have all kinds of explanations for misfortune. Um, you know, stuff happens, um, coincidence, chance. Um, much of the rest of the world doesn't have coincidence or chance in their in their cosmology. Everything has a reason for happening, and if something bad happens, you might remember that you uh, did this and that, and you will avoid doing doing that. On the other hand, something great happens, you might want to. Uh, try to reconstruct what what happened on that day uh, when I and uh, long long before I got interested in magical thinking when I was in high school I was an athlete I was a swimmer and I set a school record in my in my event and on subsequent days when I was going to compete I I consciously wore the same clothes mm -hmm. that I had worn to classes on the day that I set that record. Yeah. There is no connection between the clothes you wear during the day and your performance in a swimming pool. Your lucky shorts. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Things are interconnected. And if you can uh, do your little bit to try to reconstruct the way things were on that successful day, uh, it just might help. Well, it there could be you. some brain science, I would imagine. I'm speculating completely, but I mean, in the neuro, neuro programming, there must be some, you know, there's no actual evidence of connection, but if your brain starts to think there is, that could be powerful. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, That's you, crazy. you've got it. Lucky shorts. And there is, there is some now, some clinical evidence for the principle of similarity. Um, it's, it's the, it's it's the capability for imitation and we learn through imitation we interact with people through through imitation we sense um other people's moods just by looking at at them and feeling them we are communicating non-verbally all, all the time through personal interactions uh and children learn through through Im imitation monkeys are great imitators we've known that for forever and the discovery of the of the mirror neurons uh, about 23 or 4 maybe 25 years ago gives us an explanation um the brain recognizes similarities uh, mm -hmm. in uh, in in our world and uh um we 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 can communicate this is what empathy this was what allows for empathy um autistic people can't do this very well or maybe even not at all 
Mm-hmm. I think the principle that I've learned about that, uh, just to sort of translate for understanding, if I'm following you, is that there are there are neurons in your brain that are specifically set aside to observe and learn whether we want to learn it or not. And they're absorbing this information. It usually starts to appear in patterns because it starts to go, oh, that could be important. Oh, that happened again. That could be important. And that's yes. happening in your brain With that they've just learned in the last couple of decades that that's happening all the time. People will say, well, how did you learn that? I'm like, I don't know how I learned that. But it's because over the course, quietly in the background, your brain's just storing the info. Sure, sure. Wow. Okay, Phil. And it, and it seems to develop in infancy. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's right there as, as infants, uh, um, first of all, mimic their parents and, and, and then expand outwards with, with other people. And the first, uh, the first interactions from infancy. <laughs> So when you look at this religious uh, history of your study, um, I mean, there are people who are true believers. They believe in their faith and in them it's woven deeply in in their belief systems and the fibers of their being. There are other people that when they maybe get to crisis, end of life, um, or anything like that, they often feel like, well, maybe I should pray just in case and go through all the things they might have learned in their youth or from their family, inherited some of the belief systems from their family. And they'll go through that just in case. You know what? I feel better doing it just in case. So if I'm hearing you right, that leads to how those things start to happen, where we go, okay, well, you know what? I have no problem with it, so I might as well just in case. Yeah, yeah, you are. You are hearing me right, and That's you amazing. are th- thinking in the, in, the, in, the, in the right ways. And um, this gets us into broader religious thinking, which is also absolutely universal. Uh, scholars have, brain scientists have looked for some something in the brain that promotes religious thinking without any kind of success so far, but there are emotional states that, that religious thinking can generate, which makes, including a trance state, which is the perhaps the most extreme, but Religion provides comfort. Um, religion provides a, a sense of, of satisfaction. Religion is good for your health. And there's lots of clinical studies that 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 show that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, it, religion provides answers to big, big questions that people have had since there have been people. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I, not only if it does not give an answer, it actually provides the question, which many people seem to take comfort, maybe not knowing the answer, but at least having the question. Um, And that's just an observation, I think, from... Yeah, no, no, that's good, too. Uh, Think of the way Catholics uh, phrase it. Um, They call it the mystery of faith. Mm -hmm. Let it stay right there. Let it be a mystery. And that, that phrase is written into the... The order of worship. Yep. Let and us proclaim the mystery of faith. It's literally written there. I, as a guy who was raised a Catholic, I would say, let us uh, proclaim the mystery of the egg salad sandwich. All of the Catholics will get that joke. Um, <laughs> the, uh, when we look at this, Phil, um, this is so remarkable to carry it forward. I've got to ask you, you've studied this your whole life. You've admitted to us that when you were a young man, you know, you wore your lucky shorts to go swimming. Um, it's present in our lives. I mean, it sounds like it's actually, if we use it as a tool, we could actually use it as a tool for good in our lives, as long as we don't fall into the trap of fear and all the bits and pieces. Is there anything to you? Now, you, I'm assuming, say, on Friday the 13th, you get a kick of, say, sitting at a coffee shop, watching people walk by and carry out their superstitions and all those bits and pieces as they do um, to observe it, if you will. Is there anything that you do Friday the 13th that you kind of say, well, just in case I'm not going to, you know, walk under a ladder today? I don't think so. I've, no, I've been asked. I've been asked that question and I, I, I don't, I don't recall uh, observing any, any taboos at all. I do. I, I have had magical objects, however, which I've carried with me and I haven't felt right if I don't have them in my pocket um certain objects that are somehow important to, to me and that's a form of magical yeah. thinking also again i that but that to me sounds like if it's like your mom's 
lucky stone or your your dad's a pendant on a chain or a ring or or something like that i mean yeah that's, that yeah. sounds incredibly sure. it, human it can right? be anything yeah i mean if it's comforting for you to have dad's ring with you i mean that doesn't sound so terrible right yeah right it's amazing but we attach um a deeper meaning to it than just a a ring of 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 metal or right of the what it's made of or how it's decorated so do you <clears throat> i mean it's a pragmatic look phil do you come out of this looking at it going is it pragmatic or magical if it helps humanity navigate through life is it such a bad thing do you do you have to no, determine no, no. That? that's 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 my point that's why we want to be careful when we use the word superstition to describe these these uh beliefs um and i used to advise my students to be careful of of that word to understand what it really means superstition is a put down it comes from two latin words super meaning above or you know superior and stitio which is a noun form from the verb sto stare to stand a a standing point a a vantage point i come from a superior standing point uh, I know that what we are talking about here is likely false. I know that there exists a better explanation. That all of that is included in in the word superstition, uh, and it, so it's 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 kind of a put down. Mm -hmm. And when when you uh, when you realize that what you're talking about is um, an example of universal ways of thinking. Uh, which, as you pointed out, uh, can can help people control their own lives. Um, then you give you begin to look at it in, in a in a different way. Yeah, if you put on uh, your lucky we, tie and you feel we, good going into the meeting, tend, we might tend to condemn um, honest. Uh, I was going to say beliefs, but we could say use a stronger word: convictions uh, of people. Mm. Oh, that's a good word, conviction, isn't it? Yeah, that's a there's a level of uh, self empowerment in a conviction, isn't there? And speaking of superstitions, did you know I I only learned this I think today. Um, next Friday the Friday the what uh, of of October is National Black Cat Day. Did you ever hear? No, that? I've never heard of that. No way. Well, I looked it up on the on the uh, on the internet, and in indeed, <laughs> there is such a designation. Um, that's the the twenty seventh Friday, the twenty seventh of October is National Black Cat Day. Um, what what's what's so what's so what's what is it about black cats? Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, I think I told you earlier, I sent you by email the uh, description of the book that I've been writing. And yeah, I've tell me tell me about it. that. That's how I wanted it's to finish go, off. It's so going tell me into It's going into, it's in press now. It will appear in early December. Um, and this is about witches. And this is the uh, old classic uh, evil witch. We're not talking about any other kinds of witches. Uh, the kind that kidnaps children and flies through the night and does terrible things. Um, witches like that were believed to have a pet, uh, and one of the most which shares their power. Uh, one of the most common animals that were pets of witches were cats, and the 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 black cat is uh, um, especially sinister because of its color. Uh, blackness is universally associated with night and therefore danger, um, um, mystery, occult, and so on. Um, and the familiar is uh, an extension of the witch. And uh, a lot of cultures have some kind of cat as the witch's familiar. Uh, the small domestic cat in, Euro in Europe and America, but... Um, a much larger leopard in in uh, ancient Mexico or lions in East Africa are all the uh, alter egos of of the witch. So if a cat is prowling around your house at night, you you um, that's pretty good evidence that a witch is interested in you. 
and if it's a black cat, you know, it's um, it's it's alarming. And that's where that superstition comes from. That's beautiful. I'm a dog guy, so that's why okay. I always say the problem isn't the black cat; it's just the cat. <laughs> no well, offense cats to the cat are, people. Cats are very logical familiars of witches. They're they're believed to be able to see at night. They can navigate successfully at night. Um, they're they're independent, if not downright devious. Um, they're the story of a cat has nine lives. Yeah, it always lands on its feet, etc., etc. There's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So when can we look forward to the book, Phil? When when can we share the link so everyone can go scoop it up? You could. Uh, I can send you the link. Um, uh, it's being published by Rutledge, and it will appear December twelfth. That's the publication date. Um, and the title is "Rethinking the Anthropology of Magic and Witchcraft." I love it. I look forward to reading it. I think this is really it, great. I think it would be it really great. At, uh, powerful for people to be able to recognize some of the magical thinking in their lives and then decide if it works for them or not. Because if you can decide that it works for you, that's pretty awesome. But there are maybe a few of them that aren't really working for you. And if you could shake those by taking a pragmatic look at magical thinking, that also could benefit you too. So I think there's some real help there. And people do this. Uh, um, people do juggle around their, their own uh, um, customs and their own amulets and so on. And as something that is associated with some remarkable event they will hang on to, but something that gives them no success at all, they will let go. Yeah. Or even that seems to bring on misfortune. Yep. <clears throat> I bought a citrine stone once because it was going to bring me money. And turns out all it, it did was, was cost me seven bucks. Because it was pretty and it felt nice in your hand, right? They are pretty though, aren't they? They're yeah, worth keeping yeah. around just for how pretty they are. <laughs> I love it. Phil, thank you for sharing this time. I look forward to reading more about the book. I feel like we could just keep going forever because this is, I find it fascinating. I love watching people and I love patterns for me is a big one. I love patterns. So this is, this is really cool. I look forward to chatting again soon. Oh, well, all good. I'll, I'll welcome that. And thanks for having me and happy Friday the 13th and then happy Halloween. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? We have some stories for you that might make you ponder just a little bit. I'm Shane Hewitt. I am in the city of Airdrie. That other voice is Ryan O'Donnell. And John, he's working hard in the background while we slack off. Are you okay with? Mummies. Mm, I like mine. She's nice. Mummies. Uh, mummies are cool. I I remember I've seen how many mummies have I seen? Maybe two or three. First what? time I ever saw one was uh, at the Royal Ontario Museum. They had an Egyptian exhibit when I was there, and they had a Egyptian prince mummy there. That was really cool. And then when I went to London when I was like twelve, I saw. Uh, a mummy at the British Museum there, and it's it's really cool because it's not it's not really creepy, you know. It's it's just really fascinating at how well preserved. And then you kind of look and you're like, this person who is in this sarcophagus here is like four thousand years old, and then you realize how long that really is, and it's it really kind of warps your mind. And then there's the movie with Brendan Fraser, which is excellent love that movie okay never seen a mummy i don't think i find it weird that you've seen so many i love i go to a lot of museums and mummies okay. are often cool in museums mm -hmm. it would be funny if they played train songs in the exhibit though right <laughs> a little ironic two kinds of mummies <laughs> now we often associate mummies with ancient egypt or south america and all things spooky and curses but there are mummies in north america too including stone man willie willie was arrested for pickpocketing over a hundred years ago then he died in jail so how did he become a mummy well it was an accident a pennsylvania mummy on display for 128 years is finally being laid to rest. This person 
said their name was Stone Man Willie to police after being arrested for petty theft. He died in jail of kidney failure, and until now, no one knew his real name. Because of this, the funeral home petitioned the state to keep the body above ground to monitor the embalming process. All week long, Willie will be on full display at the funeral home before making one last journey through town to a cemetery where his real name will finally be revealed. If you've ever considered a career in broadcasting but didn't think you have the voice for it, we'll send you that clip, and it'll remind <laughs> you how great your career can be. It's uh, one thing that, just to clarify, the accident here was that they were trying some embalming techniques and they were trying to just like embalm for a little bit to like get them ready for a funeral. And they went too far and accidentally created a mummy in the process. So he's just been on display in a funeral home since the late 1800s. I feel like there's something ethically not okay about that. Oh, ab absolutely. But it was the 1890s, you know, like cowboys and... I don't think so. I don't yeah, think that still makes not it a okay, good excuse. Right? No, it's a no, bad excuse. I don't excuse. think that makes yeah. it okay. Yeah, it's not fair to Willie. Uh, CBS News uh, was the one with the story, and the guy's got a unique voice. I'm teasing. I just... His read is a little bit different than you would hear about a story like this. Uh, he was revealed to have been named James Murphy. Oh, Jimmy. Turns out he wasn't a Willie at all. He was a Jimmy. Uh, his gravestone was unveiled at the climax of funeral events, which also included his remains joining a recent parade commemorating Reading's 275th anniversary. The corpse has been in an open casket for almost his entire stay at the funeral home until being loaded into a motorcycle-drawn hearse on Saturday. Well, if you would like to check out our uh, caskets here, you can see uh, this one actually has Willie. Now, if you like this one, don't worry. We can give you the floor model. We'll take Willie out for you. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm it's sure weird, that conversation dude. actually happened. I can almost guarantee you that somebody has said that exact sentence yeah. in that funeral home. Like, it's a guarantee. Uh, no it's thanks. so strange. I'll get cremated. Can you imagine that? See ya. Yeah. You're going to like buy a coffin. You've just lost a loved one and you turn the corner and there's just a mummy on display in the funeral home. Yeah, but it's so weird. This is so wrong, Ryan. Think about it. Okay. You're shopping ahead because you're shopping ahead because you're planning. You're a planner, Ryan. All of a sudden you're a planner and you love to spend money. So you're like, I'm going to spend all the money on my funeral arrangements today. So when I kick off, Shane doesn't have to deal with it. Great. So you walk into this funeral home and you're like, show me what you got. And they're like, well, first of all, uh, we respect your wishes and we're going to make sure that it's peaceful and loving and we're going to plant a tree and we're going to do all these things and we are the best choice for this because we want all your money, Ryan. Imagine that they've even done a lottery where you won a lottery so you could give them money. Like that's how excited you are. Riveting. And then they walk you in and they say, we do everything so well and we're so detailed and meticulous. Here's our caskets. Here's the, the, the hall where your memorial will be. Uh, here's Willie. What happened to Willie? Oh, yeah, well, we screwed up and over-embalmed him. That's why he's still here. But we won't do that to you. Like, everything about it screams, we screwed up real bad. You should hire us. And then, but, but it was like 150 years ago. It's still not. It's still just like. That guy doesn't work here of, anymore. <laughs> He's yeah, gone. And it's why keep it in the funeral home? I'm sure that town has a little museum or, or something where you could display that, where it makes sense to see that mm -hmm. on loan from the funeral home down the street. Yeah. Or a fire pit. <laughs> Saying. Uh, his leathery skin and smooth sunken facial features have been the object of fascination for thousands of weirdos, including, <laughs> I added that part, Ryan didn't write that yeah, part, including countless part. curious locals, researchers, and in decades past, school children on class trips. Both names are etched on his tombstone, though his real name is only in small print at the bottom because they couldn't give him that. I know, that part, I was like... Come on, we've been calling him Stone Man Willie for 128 years, and then we finally reveal his name. It's almost like, come see the 
grave of blah, 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 well, blah, 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 blah. With I have shared on this show that I'm a capitalist more than once. This is capital. This is greed. This is not capitalism. Oh, yeah. This is like good old. Because American. they're like, you know what? If we actually put it as uh, the uh, uh, Whetstone Willie or whatever his name was. Um, Stone Man. Thank you. Uh, then... But that we can we can actually market that because they know that name. So we'll put his real name at the bottom, little letters. <laughs> What's he gonna say about it? <laughs> right? Yep. I feel like this is all wrong. It's a good uh, Happy okay. Friday the thirteenth. I hope <laughs> yeah. you don't have a belief system about that. Are you okay with archaeology? I kind of figured old yeah. old dead things, right? Speaking of, yeah, if I if I didn't pursue, like, any, if I had to do any career that had anything to do with science, it would absolutely be archaeology. I think that would be just a fascinating job, traveling the world, looking for stuff that's been underground or discovering things. And just uh, my, my best friend, Mark, my oldest friend, he's in Egypt right now. And he's just been to some of the most unbelievable places, these tombs where things have stood for thousands of years and discoveries are still being made. And getting to do that as part of your daily job, that sounds incredible. And also probably very tedious and scary because, you, you know, any little mistake. I'm and offended. I thought I was your oldest friend, but whatever. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a tough crowd here today. Hey, Ryan's. Uh-huh. Have you noticed yeah. Ryan's a little prickly here? Like he's not. He's not going for anything. Um, archaeology. I mean, it's cool. It's old stuff. You know, finding things, like you said. I, when I was in uh, Niagara Falls there a few weeks ago this summer, I had a. Uh, there was a dig going on, just there on the side of the road. I was even tempted to walk up to them and be like, "What you looking That's for?" Cool. Yeah, it was just a tent and a bunch of people with like coats on, and they were just digging. Science of something, something university of smart people on the side of the truck. It was neat. Uh, Archaeologists are thrilled after a very unexpected discovery that was made at a construction site. They found a mummified man named Willie sitting on a park bench. That's not what they found. An old fishing boat was found underground and that was hundreds of years old in, in, in Florida. What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drill. I'm an archaeologist from Florida. Florida Department of Transportation said crews were working on a drainage improvement project in the area of King Street and State Road A1A, Beachfront Avenue. (laughs) I had to leave that in there because it's just such a bizarre name for a road. It's so complicated. I wonder if it's the Beachfront Avenue way. Beachfront Avenue, A1A-2, exit 433, Beachfront Avenue. Is that what it is? No, I just made that up on the spot. I don't oh, know. Well, you know the name. song I'm talking about, right? What song are you talking about? Beachfront Avenue? Is that, it sounds like a Jimmy Buffett song. Am I right? It's got to be a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> what, because it's Florida? No, because beaches and the... Huh? Wait. Well, I know this song, obviously. Is there a line about Beachfront Avenue? Because it's... Is it 818 or A1A? A1A, Beach. Nice, baby. Lyrics. How far into the song do I have to go for this? Uh, Hi-hat with my... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yo, so I continue to A1A Beachfront Ave. Yeah. Miami Beach. So? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same road. Wow, that is a um, a connection I didn't think we would unintentionally make. I'm going to find it now so I can do it. Oh, okay. Here we go here. Oh, that's too far. Here we go, right here. See? That's, uh, but wait, wait. This particular story happened in St. Augustine, Florida. And uh, 
is that part of Miami? Where is Miami? <laughs> this is. I think it's a. You're hearing the sounds of Shannon di- Ryan no. learning geography. I know. Okay, this is disappointing because there's an a there's an A one A beachfront ave in Miami, and there's also an A one A beachfront ave in Saint Augustine. So it's the same name, or is this road just run from one end of Florida to the other? I think this is the Trans Canada Highway of Florida, Shane. I think that's what we've just found. Beachfront Avenue. Uh, wow. Wow. But he doesn't say that he's in he doesn't say that he's in Miami, does he? That's true. Nice he says, could I'm just gonna guess that he's in Miami because that's where most I feel people like, like think of it's when vanilla ice. I don't Florida. feel like he was actually in Miami. I feel like he was probably in some small town. It's amazing, right? I'm sure that A one A Beachfront Avenue. Um, vanilla ice is legitimately where is it there is one in miami florida yeah hmm. anyway uh there you go what were now there's more to the story <laughs> yeah right archaeology <laughs> oh right <laughs> are you okay <laughs> so uh state road a1a the base of the bridge of lions in downtown saint augustine when they came across some timber They called in archaeologists, and these archaeologists have been working all week to reveal what is a fishing boat. There you go. Now you can kind of see that outline right there from the 1800s. Now, they've also found other historical finds, glass bottles, coins, and bones they believe were likely from meals. The media was not allowed to view the artifacts, but an archaeologist says it wasn't the boat that stuck out to him most. It's rather a shoe believed to be from the Civil War. He says it really reminds you of the humanity of the things that they're finding. And he says, this all gives us a glimpse into what the oldest city in the country was like during that era. Uh, Not to mention archaeologists speculate that they also, with the ship, might have found Vanilla Ice's career. (sighs) (laughs) No? Uh, That was good. That was good. (laughs) Uh, That's Tim Tampa, by the way. I made up the part in the end. That wasn't actually the reporters. The boat will be fully removed from the mud, but where... It and the other artifacts will go is unclear. That's a cool story. I like that. It is a cool story. Yeah. I just, um, I feel like I want to hear more ice. Uh, your text message, amazing. Ice Baby is the same as the Under Pressure song. Yeah. That's where the sample's from. That's where they stole it from. Yep. Oh, my God, you guys, Nighthawk Steve. Trucker Dan says, you guys are having an argument about a vanilla ice song. Okay, now I'm disappointed. <laughs> That's fair. Do you want to know what my favorite playlist on Spotify is? It's called Ooh. Russian Roulette, and it's 10 songs. Nine of them are under pressure, and one of them is Ice Ice Baby. So every oh. song, you start the song, and you don't know which one you're going to get. Put it on shuffle. You never know what you might get. There's that one, um, oh, I think it's a comedy thing. It's not unusual, is... Uh, what is the Tom Jones song that is is the longest of them? Um, so somebody went into it might be a stand up comedian. He tells the story. He goes into a diner and he puts on um, like it's not unusual mm-hmm. on the jukebox. It puts in his buck, plays it's not unusual, and does it again and again and again and again and repeats the song over and over and over again. And then after God knows how many versions or plays of it, next on the list is Sex Bomb. And the whole diner cheers. I wish I could remember who told this. It might have been What's New Pussycat. I don't know. Um, And then he tells this story, and I wish I could give him credit for it. I can't remember it. And then the whole place cheers because it's not unusual. It doesn't come on again. And then the very next song. Is this not unusual after <laughs> sex bomb? And that's why people are not allowed to be DJs with jukeboxes. Yeah. Stories like that. If the, you know that story or that was you, I'm sorry I can't give you credit. I cannot think of it. Um, but um, What's new, Pussycat? What? Yeah. feel better now. Man, <laughs> the tangents that Are You Okay went on tonight yeah. were special. We were Very doing special. Are You Okay? Yeah, that was <laughs> no idea. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.
For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.